0: Welcome to the Film Comment podcast. I'm Devika Girish, co-deputy editor of Film Comment, and I'm calling in from the sunny shores of Cannes. Over the course of the 2022 festival, as news of standing ovations and walkouts, raves and pans, spit takes and hot takes flood the feed, the film comment crew will be reporting on all the cinematic goings on at the cross set with dispatches, interviews and podcasts. So make sure to subscribe to both the film comment letter and podcast and keep tuning in every day for more.
1: This is Eugene Hernandez, publisher of Film Comment, at the 2022 Cannes Film Festival, the 75th Cannes Film Festival, seated with Ariana Baco, president of IFC Films.
2: Hi, Eugene. How Welcome, are you? Welcome, Ariana. Thank you.
1: Thanks for taking the time to sit to sit for a few minutes amidst your busy and hectic schedule. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second.
2: Yeah, no problem. It's my pleasure.
1: Um, you know, in 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 a recent industry podcast we did from here in Cannes. Uh, Lizzie Frankie and I talked about, we talked about critics, we talked about curators, and we can certainly, you know, dig into that in a moment as we talk about kind of the range of activity that's happening here in Cannes connected to film culture. But I also want to talk about commerce because um commerce is really how many of the films, or so, at least some of the films that we're seeing these couple of weeks will reach a wider audience, in particular, in your case, um, back in the states and so i'd love to just dig into that in a moment with you but maybe before we do that uh just to get a little context from you you're certainly a pro at this festival how long have you been coming to can
2: i tried to count but i believe it's my 27th can i think including the law lo- the lost last two years <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it's 27 years i've been coming
1: so 27 years ago uh well 27 years ago I was a baby. <laughs> you were very young, and uh, in what context did you come to the festival? And and also, how does it compare? How did that experience? Not just in terms of you know your your stature is very different now. So, uh, but but just as an experience, as a festival, as a hub, uh, tell us about that experience twenty seven years ago. But also, how what brought you here twenty seven years ago?
2: Uh, at the time, I worked for Fine Line Features, and I lived in Los Angeles, and obviously, Cannes was the mecca. Um I rem it's hard to remember back that far because they all the years have blended together and I think have had very similar experiences. Um I've worked for a few different distribution companies. I came here first with Fine Line Features and then I had moved to New York and worked for Miramax Films, which was a very different experience at the at that time coming to Cannes. Um much more intense. But every year it's always been a very competitive Spirit, and it's an adrenaline rush, and um, you are seeing the best of the best films, and it's that sense of discovery, but also being a part of a larger culture, and I don't think that's ever changed.
1: How has the market evolved as as a as a as a, as a place where not only films not only will films premiere and again, critics will will debate them, curators will start to discuss films they might take to other festivals or other uh, institutions. But as a marketplace, you talked about competition, is there the same type of sort of frenetic market energy today as there was, you know, 20, 25 years ago? Is it evolving? How is it evolving? I think the
2: market energy in particular has changed quite a lot. Um, and It felt much more intense years ago. I think now with technology and just having so much more information and so much more communication with sales agents, we know a lot more of what's going to be here coming into the festival and the market than we did prior. And um, I think the market was probably more active as it relates to screenings than it is now. Um, Now it's really more focused on meetings and uh, talking about packages and promos versus actual market screenings. That's I think, has lessened over the years. But it's still very much um, an active marketplace, and I think that sense of commerce hasn't changed.
1: So rank the festival... In relation to other ways and other places that you specifically go looking for work for films, put Cannes in context for us. How does it? Uh, where does it place in in how you think about planning for your year and how important is it? I guess
2: oh, Cannes is key. Um, so there are three markets a year that are that are key. It's Berlin, EFM in February, and it's um, Cannes here in May and AFM in the fall. And you know, coming into Cannes, we are looking at what are going to be on the foreign language film side. It's, it's what are the films that are going to represent their countries? What are the films uh, that could be up for awards at the end of the year? But really, we're focused here on our 2023 slate. And coming into Cannes, it's really about what are the projects that are going to be on uh, future slates? Uh, because right now... We are pretty much slated for this year, so it's really about future, and can is very key because of where it falls into the calendar. so um, it's really the market where we start seeing our t- twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four slate take shape
1: And so when you say uh, projects, are you thinking more about films that you might be involved in producing, or you're just or are you tracking films that that might come to the market or be playing at festivals? Sundance Berlin, Cannes next year.
2: Uh, all of the above, um, you know we're starting to get a sense of what might be in Sundance and Tor- Toronto first and then Sundance um, next year, and also what might be in Cannes next year. Um, we typically, in the past, had really focused on acquiring finished films only. And now we have pivoted to starting to acquire more packages and pre-buys. We don't really produce directly ourselves because um, that's not how we're set up. But we work with many producers and um, are looking for films to get involved in at earlier stages, usually pre-buying against North American rights. Um, but we are working with our sister companies, Shutter and RLJE now, uh, you know, with IFC Films, to pretty much scour the market for not only the finished films, but any kind of packages that we can be involved in. Discovering new talent—that's a very big part of it—is to see who the up-and-coming filmmakers are. You know, we meet with all of the um, uh, places like Film Four and and um, BBC and uh, BFI to kind of see what they're working on. What filmmakers they're excited about, so we could potentially get involved uh, at that stage, earlier stage.
1: So the 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 industry got by the last couple of years without as many places to gather in person and have those kinds of meetings. A lot of time on Zoom, yeah, a lot of phone calls. Uh, do do you view the the necessity of an in person market any differently? today than you might have, say, three or four years ago before the pandemic kind of disrupted the normal operating procedure?
2: Yes. I think the first year of, of the shutdown, everyone felt like, oh, this is so efficient. We can still communicate. We can still do business because we have Zoom and I can still see you and talk to you. But I don't think anything replaces the face-to-face. I've had a lot of meetings here where I hadn't met the person it before and suddenly seeing them in three you know in 3D <laughs> it's it's made a big difference to actually have that face to face communication it's more meaningful mm-hmm. and i think it's more meaningful to see some of the filmmakers that we haven't seen in two years and to actually have a you know glass of rosé or c- coffee together it just you can never replace that and it's akin to seeing a film in a theater You can never replace that experience. And I think what, you know, COVID has shown all of us is that those things are irreplaceable and Mm -hmm. meaningful. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's reinvigorated and reinforced how important it is to come to festivals, to see films on a big screen, to meet filmmakers in person. And um, I feel energized again
1: how building on that building on that idea of not just being in person with the people you're doing business with but sitting in a room with an audience and feeling that reaction how do you at IFC films uh, as president as I, president of IFC films how do you think about the theatrical cinematic experience in relation to where and how you're evolving the business IFC is IFC was the pioneer in day and date theatrical paired with a digital release at the same time many years ago Mm -hmm. how are you thinking 15 years ago so how how do you sort of think about that and the way these two very different types of uh, very different strategies for release connect to each other is it evolving still
2: it is evolving, but it's that's a good thing. And I think we as distributors, our responsibility is to find our audiences for these films. And we have a lot of different kinds of films. I think the interesting thing now is that not every film has to be released in the same way. And we embrace that philosophy of... We always have embraced it, but it's evolved in such a way where there are really many different ways you can release a film. And I think for us it's important to understand where we think we'll reach that audience. And it is where art and commerce do meet. And you have to be strategic in how you think about where our audience is going to watch these films. And we release all different kinds of films. We release genre films, midnight films, documentaries, foreign language films and I think audiences for each of those kinds of films will find them in different ways. Younger audiences are watching films in a very different way now. And I think you know we are looking for ways right now to cultivate those younger audiences. You know, I've been coming to Cannes for 27 years and and I am the older art house audience <laughs> now. <laughs> and um You know, I think that we have to find movies that will bring those audiences back into theaters because it's been the one segment of audience that's been hard to get back into theaters. Younger audiences are going to movies, but, um, you know, I think we have to find ways to reach them because there's so much content out there. There's Mm -hmm. so much that we're competing with. We're Mm -hmm. competing with TV and games and Just, you know, young people thinking, oh, I can watch it on my phone. And so, you know, we're always looking for new inventive ways on how we market, how we do our publicity. Um, So it is very much evolving. Um, But again, I don't I don't share any pessimism on that moving forward because we're evolving as a culture and Mm -hmm. you can't stay the same. That's just a fact. <laughs> so, you know, we have to change with it. And I and 15 years ago when I started at IFC, we were it was the first year that we did day and date. And I remember the resistance. Mm-hmm. And it was really tough convincing filmmakers that this is a new exciting opportunity because everyone thought it was bad. And I don't think at the end of the day, it was bad. I think it was before it's time. <laughs> and, um, and we experimented and we learned a lot. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of amazing information. Uh, and we built an infrastructure. So, you know, during the pandemic, we were really one of the only distributors releasing new films. And I think a lot of filmmakers were really happy about that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I heard from a lot of people too, that our movies were keeping them going during the pandemic and and giving them some hope that you could still actually have a successful business in such a crazy time and and scary time
1: i read that i ifc has acquired is it more than 400 films over the over its lifetime, I was I was reading that somewhere this morning. It was but more, even more. <laughs> Tell us about our, that. Our
2: library is almost a thousand titles.
1: A thousand titles.
2: And we're twenty now, twenty one. Well, we turned twenty years old in twenty twenty, and we were going to have a big party and all of that. <laughs> didn't you know, get to do that. Didn't get to do that. So, so a thousand
1: t- films. Uh, what how many of those films are actively available to audiences and, and are you, and, and in what ways are they? I mean, it's not just your own platforms, but I'm sure through other platforms through, could be criterion, could be other.
2: Yeah. They're really all over the place to a certain extent, but we did um, create a few years ago, IFC films unlimited, which is uh, an SVOD platform that was created for our own films, for our library films. Um, So, uh, and and it really has organically grown and I think has been very successful. And most of our films are available to watch on IFC Films Unlimited, but they're also still on Apple and Amazon and for available to buy and rent. Um, Criterion has some of our films. (laughs) um, And we license them. You know, every film hopefully has a long tail. The goal is to not keep it only in one place, but to really make sure that Films get seen in uh, a variety of different places, which just goes back to what I'm saying about reaching audiences. Mm-hmm. And we've seen films that are, you know, a few five years old suddenly uh, have an uptick because somebody posts about it on TikTok or Letterboxd or something, mm-hmm. you know. And, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. films can take on uh, a new life and, and I really take the viewpoint that it's not just the first 18 months on a film. It really has to be... The whole term. We look at the film as what can this film do in the 10, 15 years that we are the um, custodian of it?
0: You're listening to the Film Comment podcast.
1: One of those films, but let's also talk about a filmmaker that you've worked with a lot. Um, Christian Munju, yes, is a filmmaker who has a film here in competition. Rmn, you acquired it right before the festival. You have a long relationship with him. Tell us about um, your connection to this film and to this filmmaker. And let's let's dig into sort of how and why uh, this film at this moment and and this filmmaker is 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 so important to you and your your company.
2: So it was my first can at IFC Films that I saw four months, three weeks, two days. And I will never forget, it was in the Star Cinema. And um, I walked out of that screening floored, just Mm. absolutely stunned. And I had to go be alone for a little while. I had never seen anything like that in a film. And I... Remember, I called my boss at the time, Jonathan, and I said, I have to buy this movie. And if you don't let me buy it, I'll quit. <laughs> you had just started at IFC, by the way.
1: But that's and how important it was.
2: That's how important it was. What did Jonathan and, say? And he said, okay. <laughs> he said, go, go go, do a good deal. And um, I went to Carol Baritone at Wild Bunch at the time, and I... Um, I uh, Basically, just said similar to her, to what I said to Jonathan. I said to Carol, and um, we did a deal. And I went home, and before the award ceremony, I actually got home. Mm-hmm. And I remember Ryan, who Ryan Werner, who worked with me at the time, called and said it just won the Palm d'Or. and I just started crying because it just was a validation that. Here was this filmmaker no one really had heard about. No one had knew about him. And it gave me the confidence as a a business person for my job to take a risk on a film that would be very challenging. And knowing that it would be rewarded in a way where it would allow me to take further risks. And, And I think starting my career at IFC Films in that way it really it, it shaped how I thought about coming to Cannes and taking risks. And Christian is the kind of filmmaker who um he's really a master. And R M N is a masterpiece. Um he's just and he's an incredible businessman too, because mm. he releases his films in, in Romania. But um he he is um unlike any other and I'm so honored honestly to be his partner in the U.S. with all of his films uh but but it really showed me a a path uh, as a as a executive doing what I do in the U.S. um and allowed me to really look at other films and take chances and you know we we bought a film last year called Happening that was not an easy film to distribute and actually, Christian and Audrey did a talk together uh, in New York um, uh, over Zoom. But it was um, really incredible to kind of come full circle. Um, and and I'm just really proud of all the filmmakers we have worked with over the last 15 years that I've been at the company. Um, and in particular, Christian. And I'm so thrilled for him that the film is just getting an amazing reception here at Cannes this year.
1: Who would have predicted that? Four months and happening would be as urgent as they are right now, given what's happening in our country.
2: It's it's devastating to say that, but you know, I think while there's similar subject matters in the film, I think happening took on a different kind of urgency. Um, th- that I felt, I felt similarly when I saw the film, that I did when I saw Four Months, but it, it had a different urgency to it. Mm.
1: I want to go back to something you were just talking about, and that is this question of risk uh, and taking risks. And I wonder how the notion of risk and also the idea of instinct connect to each other. Something drew you to four months instinctively, and it instigated, inspired a confidence for you to go to your Boss, who had, you hadn't even been working with for very long, and said, "I have to release this movie," and then to go to the sales agent and to say, "Like you know, if you don't sell me this movie; I'm not going to have a job anymore. So you got to sell me this movie." But, um, but you know, just the, uh, cultivating as an executive uh, that that instinct and that ability to take risks. And I thought if you could talk about that, it might be in, in insightful for especially folks who are newer in the business and and maybe. Not sure when to trust their instinct, mm-hmm. when to take that risk, how to cultivate that, that, those traits?
2: Yeah, I think I had I'm lucky enough that coming into IFC films, I had worked at Fineline Features and at Miramax, mm-hmm. both very different companies and very different experiences for me. So there is a certain level of experience, I think, that comes with it, mm-hmm. and uh, finding the right people that mentor you in cultivating that, that instinct. And talking about films and engaging, you really have to engage in the conversation and and be mindful of what's happening in the world and, and why certain films take on a certain resonance and why certain films may have uh, an impact in the zeitgeist at the moment. Um, it really is the intersection of art and commerce for me. And I found that to be... When I joined IFC films, the sweet spot for me and i I was given really um, a lot of um, freedom by Jonathan at the time I joined the company to explore that mm-hmm. and I'm so grateful for that because I think that it's very rare to have that opportunity to shape a library to shape a slate to shape you know what kinds of films. Are we going to be associated with what's important for us and that is something you really have to think through and strategize and be mindful of and it's not just oh what film is going to do well you know here's a x amount of money and we're going to release this this it's going to do well it's really about shaping a slate and shaping and cultivating filmmaker relationships um And sometimes you you uh, you know work with a filmmaker over and over again and it doesn't do well, but then the next time it does, Mm -hmm. and there's a certain amount of loyalty that Mm -hmm. goes along with that as well. But I think instinct. Every everyone I know in this business comes from a different background, and and a different and our individual experiences shape us. Mm -hmm. And I think coming in as a woman to to this business. Mm gives me a different lens perhaps than the, the traditional, you know, art house world. And I, and I would say talking about what's changed over the last 27 years, there are more women in power. Now there are more women, um, who are engaged, uh, in making those decisions. And that's exciting because mm-hmm. I think it's a different perspective.
1: There are Lizzie, uh, Frankie, who was with us last week was talking about, the challenges and the 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 lack of women who run and and direct film festivals there are certainly um it's rare for a woman to head a specialized distribution company there are sadly very few examples um so picking up on what you were just talking about how do you how do you think about that in relation to your own career the work you do, how you cultivate uh, a next generation, the kinds of films you choose it's inherent it, it's 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 something that's a part of you so yeah. it's but how are you how do you how do you uh, dig into that express that and well, engage? I think
2: I was cu- acutely aware that there weren't a lot of w- women who could be mentors for me yeah. growing up in this industry right very acutely aware of it mm. and so much so that I was so conscious of it that it became almost a um, mm-hmm. a part of of how I thought about you know uh, what I wanted to do and accomplish in my own career, and I can say that that drove me. Yeah. I was very ambitious about it, and um, and and so it's definitely been a part of how I approach my job, how I approach films, how I approach the slate, how I approach the people I'm working with, mm-hmm. um, the people that I'm trying to mentor to come up now. And I think uh, Generation Z is a very different generation. And um, they are so much more aware and um, live in a different, growing up in a different world than I did. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've come through, you know, Me Too and, and, Oh all of those things shape us for who we are and bring different experiences to the table and I'm just very conscious of it as mm-hmm. I as I a- approach my work. Mm-hmm. So um so I think I think it's really important to have different perspectives and different lenses and listen to people and not just talk the talk but really listen and and apply those opinions to what you're doing. So it's not just saying yeah yeah I heard you it's saying okay I heard you go run with it mm-hmm. or um and and I think that's the culture I want to live in that's the kind of company I want to be a part of it's the kind of legacy I want to leave mm-hmm. for um the next 20 years of IFC films
1: Do you think the industry is more receptive open to this to the approach that you're talking about do you see do you see progress?
2: I see progress, but I I think there's a long way to go mm. still. I think it's still entrenched in very traditional ways in a lot of, you know, and, and I think it won't change until the leadership changes on a lot of, uh, of companies. And it's it's slow. Change is slow. But we embrace it where we can. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's important to be present and engage uh, again in those conversations and and to take chances and risks, and sometimes you'll be rewarded and sometimes not. <laughs> uh,
1: for you, uh, as we start to wrap up, for you, Ariana, film culture is also very local. Um, and I mention that because I want to dig into another aspect of your uh, professional life, and that is um, getting involved with a the movie theater uh, locally. And so maybe just tell us a bit about that and why that's important to you. Um, you're from New Jersey.
2: I am from New Jersey, yes.
1: (laughs) Proudly. Um, Proudly proudly
2: from from New Jersey. Um, I uh, moved there during the shutdown. Mm -hmm. I grew up in uh, a town called Freehold in New Jersey, and um, there's a beach town very close by called Bradley Beach, and I had a summer house there, have a summer house there, and and I moved there during the pandemic, and it's a very small town, but it's part of a larger shore culture in New Jersey, and not the shore culture that some people may have seen in, on MTV. Um, it's really a lovely lovely town and amazing people in the town. And there was a movie theater. It's a, over 100 years old that's been on, on Main Street. And the owners closed it for COVID, and then uh, I saw that they had put it up for sale. And I was devastated because... It really was a part of our main street and um, an important part of our main street and historical part. Jack Nicholson was an usher there and it was the theater that Danny DeVito used to go to and it has a lot of history. The town had a lot of celebrities that used to summer there. It's, uh, it's rumored that um, West Side Story was written there. So I think that um the notion of it becoming something else other than a theater just made me so sad so i called the mayor one day and i just said how can i help thinking oh i work in the film business how can i help <laughs> and um he just said i need your help can you can you you know talk to these people so lo and behold, I found uh, um, some partners who had been doing similar things of restoring old theaters, and um, they were based in New Jersey. And uh, we banded together and uh, found an investor and acquired the theater. And now we're raising money to renovate it, and um, we got a liquor license. So it's going to be, I think, an incredible place once it's... Um, completed so we're, we're in the process of raising money right now
1: Tell us the name of the theater and how people find out more information or get involved
2: It's called the Bradley and it's in Bradley Beach New Jersey um, and um, if you want to get involved it's a uh, cinemalab.com that's the name of my partner's group and um, yeah I think it's I think it's I think it's going to be the future of cinema to be quite honest is is localized community-based, experiential places that um, are the antithesis of the mall theater and the big box theater. Not that they don't have their place. They do. Uh, I think that this will be a way for independent films and art house films to sit alongside of the big studio films. And I think that's what we're going to see in the future is sort of a more of a melding of those two in, in the same complex. Um, and, you know, I think evolving isn't a bad thing. Evolving, you know, in that in that theatrical experience.
1: Well, you certainly have colleagues who have access to more than a thousand films at IFC films <laughs> that you can bring to the table, but also, you know, a few decades of relationships with folks at other companies and distributors and places that can also be a pipeline of, of new films or old films yeah. to the Bradley.
2: Yes, I, I'm excited to... I'm excited to start engaging with everyone to play movies there and and retrospectives. And, um, you know, we we as a company have an amazing theater in New York City called the IFC Center in the Village. And, you know, they've really weathered the storm of COVID and um, are really getting back on their feet. So if you're in New York City, check out the IFC Center as well.
1: And then eventually, if you're on the shore...
2: Yes, if you're on the shore, if you want an amazing summer vacation, come to Bradley Beach.
1: Check out the Bradley... Um, Ariana, thanks for for spending a little bit of time to talk with us here at Film Comment. We really appreciate it. Congratulations on the amazing work you continue to do. Thank uh, you. And your ongoing support of everything we do at Film and Lincoln Center. We
2: see you there a lot. So thanks. Thank you. And thank you for everything you're doing to keep this experience going and engaging.